welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking with Smart Care Equipment Solutions about their experiences with dealing with COVID-19 and what the future might hold. Um, welcome, welcoming Giener Ozgul, Senior Vice President of Operations at Smart Care Equipment Solutions. Giener, thanks so much for being with us today on the podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm excited to talk with you today. I, I know that it's challenging times, um, but SmartCare has been on uh, a path of innovation and you you guys have reacted quickly and, and made some pivots to, to adjust to the current circumstances. And I think that our listeners will certainly benefit from hearing about uh, some of those pivots as well as, you know, how you're, you're thinking about recovery and, and what will come next for, for service. So to start, can you tell our listeners about Smart Care's business um, and about your role? Sure, absolutely. Um, I'll do the short and sweet version. Uh, Smart, Smart Care Equipment Solutions is a business that services commercial kitchen equipment. So if you think about eating at a restaurant, quick service, full service, or if you're in a corporate cafeteria or a university cafeteria or dining at a, um, at a venue, uh, typically the equipment that they make the food on that you'd be eating, we fix and repair. Uh, we also have preventative maintenance and provide other types of programs to uh, our customers. But that's the segment that we do work in. Um, we are a company that's been around for roughly 80 years or so. Um, it started out as an independent company uh, actually fixing gas lights in Southern California. Interesting. Not, gas street lights. Uh, evolved throughout the years. In, in, in 1998, was purchased by a uh, Fortune 500 company, Ecolab, among, with uh, four other uh, companies that they put together into one called GCS at the time. Um, and Ecolab used it to round out their offerings in terms of how they provide service to uh, their customers, their end users in kitchens. Um, Ecolab held on to the business for a little under 20 years. And in 2017, we spun out as an independent business out of Ecolab under private equity ownership and uh, been a uh, really fast and uh, fun growth ride since then. Um, my role in the organization as the senior vice president of operations, I like to look at it as you know, five groups. I used to say four, but I added safety as my fifth because it's a passion of mine. Uh, but the field service organizations, so the technicians and the management teams, um, I have oversight there. The customer service center, uh, which is where we essentially dispatch and take all our calls from, um, our supply chain, and then uh, what we'll be talking about at various points in time here today, the IT department and our technology. And safety, which you said you're passionate about, but but regardless of that, it's certainly become top of mind for, for everyone right now. So that's an important area of focus as well. Yeah, yeah. It's moving in an industry that typically looked at things like PPE, personal protection equipment, in terms of, you know, not cutting yourself, not hurting your back or not getting something in your eye. Um, it's become more about the antimicrobial PPE mm -hmm. and how we protect our technicians now from contracting illnesses and the customers that they're working in. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just writing an article, um, you know, about 
what I envision some of the the things I envision happening as a result of of all of us dealing with this crisis and you know one of those things is certainly the the way that safety is is going to play a role um, as a differentiator for service organizations as as this recovery begins um, because it's something that's you know, going to be top of mind for everyone. So for employees, you know, and, and being comfortable returning to work, um, and, and ramping that back up, uh, and, and feeling as though they're safe. Uh, and then obviously from a customer standpoint and, you know, safety is something that I, I don't know that it's ever really been, you know, uh, I guess a, a sexy topic. So it's something that, you know, I think companies have have always focused on to some degree, but it hasn't been, you know, such a, a point of conversation. But but certainly, I think it will be going forward. Um, okay, so so let's start, Gainer, by talking about some of those pivots. So, smart care, like every other business right now, has been you know forced to adapt to to the circumstances um, that we're all facing. And you and I talked about three major pivots that you've made, um, and, uh, you know, some of, some of the ways that you've had to adjust. So the first of those is, is with your workforce, um, before the pandemic hit, you were working on how best to give technicians the confidence they need to deliver on a consistent customer experience. Um, how has COVID-19 impacted that effort and, and what changes have you had to pivot and make related to the workforce? Yeah, so I'll take two cuts at that. So the workforce itself has changed, right? So the number of um, technicians we've had has it's changed just like other industries. We've been impacted by things like furloughs and layoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of the tough choices we have to make as we saw uh, all of our customer segments just take a fairly significant hit in terms of their ability to, you know, produce commercial kitchen food. I mean, uh, fundamentally, I was looking at something that, you know, 85% of all food, full service restaurants are closed or just doing some t- type of minor delivery now. Uh, so it just kind of gives you a uh, an order of magnitude in terms of that. And it's, how, you know, ultimately how it impacted our field force. Secondly, it was really about, you know, bolting on the safety comment from a few minutes ago, having our technicians have the right PPE equipment in their process in terms of going out to visit customers and having the masks available and the sanitizers to clean the equipment before and after and sanitizers for their hands and uh, cleaning their tools. Um, All of that now became something ad hoc we had to come up with very quickly in order to not only meet the technicians' needs for safety, but the customers' expectations of safety from our technicians coming in. Because customers have the same level of concern in that process that we have, right? Mm -hmm. We worry about our techs contracting it. They worry about their employees getting it from our technicians. So it's a very kind uh, kind of weirdly harmonious expectation between the two groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and your customers probably to some degree are, are concerned about their employees and also their customers. Right. Um, so it's, it has a trickle down effect of, of you guys having that responsibility to make sure that you're making all of those considerations. Um, how did you, 
how did you put that in place? So, you know, obviously you had a focus on safety before, but as you said, you know, it, it shifted, um, as a result of, of this situation, how did you, what was the, the process that you kind of reviewed what needed to change and, and reacted quickly to, to make those adjustments? Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to tell you the process was something, you know, typically we're very good at building processes. In this case, it became, what are the technicians and customers asking us for? Um, and it almost became an ad hoc process very quickly within days, like, let's just say mid-March, we had a lot of expectations changing from customers and technicians in terms mm-hmm. of that safety approach before and after. Um, something as simple as giving the customers to, you know, optionally sign a digital work order now on an iPad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there was concerns about, you know, devices and what wasn't an issue before and can I contract it by just touching a device? Um, so it was very ad hoc at, at the beginning. I think now we've gotten to a point of stability where, you know, getting the supplies out to the technicians is more regular. Um, their ability to wear, wear masks is more part of their standard process now. Um, and, and we review it weekly pretty much to see if there's anything new that we need to look at and adjust for. Um, we have taken a little bit of the view that we will more than likely, in most cases, be more stringent than a lot, a lot of the late local, uh, local or state ordinances, uh, just because there's going to be so many different variants of what's okay in which states or which lo- local ordinances. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to become more centralized in our approach, um, which at times the customers may come off as more strict than what they're accustomed to. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, and, and I think it's interesting that you said, you know, you said, I'd love to say that we had this process, but we, we had to react quickly and and we did it ad hoc to start. And I actually think that that is a really important point. Um, because, you know, this situation is, is forcing, companies to, to be nimble, um, and, and to react quickly. Uh, and I actually think that, you know, while that might be outside of people's comfort zones in, you know, the, the normal context, I I think that given the situation that is what's being demanded of people. And I think that your ability to, to do that, um, you know, to act fast, to put things in place that were requested and needed, and then to, you know, when you have a little bit of breathing room, um, reflect on, okay, how did we handle that? What do we need to refine? Um, you know, how do we put a process around this and, and, you know, keep it consistent going forward? I I actually think that's a very commendable way of doing it. I think that, um, you know, companies that aren't maybe used to making decisions that fast or being that agile, you know, are really being stretched, um, to do that right now. Yeah. And, you know, just before we move off from this point, one of the things we think about is, you know, we're in the midst of a ERP implementation, IFS, coincidentally. Um, but we are in the midst of that IFS implementation here and building in some of those protocols post-launch. We won't be able to do it before launch. It's just the timing doesn't work for us, unfortunately, right now. But at some point, the shortly thereafter, being able to kind of build those safety protocols actually into the work order process for a technician mm-hmm. will help with like compliance and consistency, which is something we want to do. Absolutely. And even, um, you know, 
proof and, and, you know, notation that those steps were followed and, and all of that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, the second pivot that we talked about, um, I think is a really interesting one is, um, you mentioned taking this opportunity to analyze areas of operational complexity within the organization that could benefit from being streamlined. So tell me about that. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it's like the peel back the onion theory, right? So COVID is, is becoming a little bit of a proxy for us to look at, um, overtly complex processes we had internally and externally to customers and what's the value it's truly providing the customer of the organization um which is you know we were doing that as we were implementing our system uh but i would say COVID has pushed that further because as we've had to kind of uh right size the organization as an output of the downturn in business We've also had to say, okay, what what are these processes really make sense for us, and what value are we truly providing the organization and the customers? And um, we've had some really interesting, you know, things come up, like you know, small customers that are legacy and embedded in the business for you know, let, let's just say ten years or more. We had a customer we were looking at, and um, they had a very arduous kind of back office support process for a, a piece of business that, you know, 10 years ago was very substantial, but over time had degraded into something not as substantial. So, you know, just reviewing that and going back to the customer and saying, let's, let's review your current process and, you know, whether or not it makes sense for the business going forward. And for you, to be honest, maybe the customer really doesn't need it. You know, it's just reviewing all of that and trying to get to, you know, bringing it back into the boundaries of what we're good at, which is fixing customer equipment. Right. Um, we're not good at managing a whole bunch of sub processes around that. We're mm-hmm. very good at our core offering to our customers. Yeah. And, and I think this concept in and of itself is just a really important one because it's, it's really about, you know, for, for any organization out there that's experiencing some, some, um, decrease in, in, uh, activity as a result of, of this crisis, you know, how do you use some of that downtime wisely? Right. And, and how do you take this, you know, you're typically moving at a hundred miles an hour and you are just going, 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 and, and you don't slow down long enough, um, to really, you know, think strategically about some of the things that, that you're doing. Um, or if you do it, you know, it, it takes a concerted effort to slow down and, and do that. So I think, um, it's actually a really good, uh, use of, of this situation is to take the opportunity to, to do some of that analyzing and thinking around, you know, what could benefit from, from being changed. Um, so I like that one. Yeah. And I, and I would say before we move off of that, Sarah, one, one thing we don't know about that one is that one's evolving. Mm -hmm. Um, because as the volume starts to pick up, we'll see more of that show up. Um, what I'm saying is some of that operational complexity hasn't even shown up on our radar yet because mm-hmm. the volume is so low. Um, as the volume picks back up, it's going to be an opportunity for us in each of those scenarios to just hit the pause button a little bit and review it. Yeah. Do you think having had this experience, you will have kind of a, a keener eye for that? Do you know what I mean? Like having gone through this exercise in certain areas now, as that ramp up happens, do you think you will flag those opportunities in a different way than you would have before. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to lead into the third point once you uh, once we talk about the service model. But it's definitely about, um, you know, we have a core offering of our business. And the core offering isn't necessarily just about what we um, inform our customers we can or cannot do. It's more about internally, what are our processes built to best execute on to deliver the best customer experience? And really sticking with that core offering going forward. Um, we see is detrimental to the success of the business as we rebuild and reemerge. Okay. All right. So then that's a great segue to the third pivot, which is evaluating the ways in which the service model is changing and will probably continue to change. So, so talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of immediacy, I'll I'll say short term, 12 to 24 months, and then longer term past that. In the short term, I'd say the service model is changing such that um, there'll be a lot more focus on this this idea of PPE that we talked about in cleanliness. Mm-hmm. Um, I also believe that technology will become more central to that. And let me ground that a little bit. The idea of a digital work order, or <clears throat> taking pictures to show a story, or um, more email and less contact. So some type of contactless delivery, and I know that's a buzzword now, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's true in our industry too, using technology to make it more of a contactless delivery. And then ultimately merchandising back to customers, things like, hey, here's an opportunity to reduce your risk. Um, mm-hmm. In our industry, food safety is a big deal. And how food safety parallels things like COVID-19 is, is remarkable. Right. I mean, just think about you know, ice machines and almost every food service establishment you go into um, an ice machine is um, food by the FDA guidelines. It's considered food. And yet, you know, the cleanliness of the ice machine isn't something operators are consistently approaching. Well, now this has brought this whole idea of microbial focus um, to the forefront. And I think operators will look at an ice machine very differently once they start to understand the type of microbes that live there and, you know, making somebody potentially sick if you don't clean them. And that's where we can help change that. And, and, and I really believe that. Now, in the longer term, the ability to aggregate data and present the value back to customers and help them uh, predict and prevent or uh, even go further than that, prescript. I like using the word prescript. A friend of mine gave me that as we were talking about this a number of months back. Um, Having that prescriptive, having data to help come up with prescripted strategies for a customer that says, hey, based on your turn of your equipment or what you've cooked the last two months, we should proactively come out and look at that piece of equipment and repair it before it goes down. Mm-hmm. That's the future that we're starting to see right, going out, you know, you know, 24 months on. And in addition to that, this whole idea of how, you know, uh, merged reality or virtual reality, depending on the terminology you want to use, and or AI analytics to help customers with some level of self-help tools, I think will parallel as well. So I do think uh BI analytics of data um, post service events 
and technology specifically pre-service event to help the customer with some level of self-service will accelerate in a pre-COVID environment as customers look to rebuild themselves and mitigate their cost exposure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of interesting aspects just of, of that conversation in and of itself, but, um, but certainly a good point. And, and one of the things that I think is interesting is envisioning, um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, contactless is a buzzword, uh, right now, but it is, it's important right now. It's really, really important. And that's why, uh, we're hearing so much of it and, and, you know, it will, remain important for quite some time. Uh, and one of the things I think is interesting is seeing how companies, um, are, are adapting to providing service in that way, but still staying connected with their customers, you know, um, like looking for different ways to interact and communicate so that, you know, you, you lose touch with them, quote unquote, but you don't lose touch with them. You know, um, I think that's a, an interesting conversation in and of itself. Um, but certainly a, a really good aspect to, to consider. Um, what other elements, Giener, do you think, or, or do you think about when you think about what the new normal will, will look like? You know, I think this idea of, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. So in our industry, a lot of customers have a significant, not significant, but they have infrastructures to support the equipment needs. Um, I would assume knowing that industry well, since I grew up in that kind of restaurant space, the idea of having facilities departments or deep facilities departments is a kind of better analysis of that. Deep facilities departments that can monitor and manage all this equipment is going to be non-existent. I mean, I think they'll still have facilities department. They might not be as deep or as intricate as they were in the past because they won't be able to support it. I think, you know, all companies will be in the same kind of how do we reemerge and how do we rebuild Mm -hmm. and adding back people will be a very cautious kind of scientific effort um over the course of the coming months and years so i think that's going to change which means they're going to rely on outsourcing a lot more of that repair than mm-hmm. they are in times past absolutely absolutely um good so so we talked about um three areas uh that they are demanding your focus right now and that in turn you know we would suggest other organizations be focused on as well as we you know start to to really prepare for recovery um so let's talk about each of those and and maybe talk about you know the way you're thinking of this and and what smart care is is doing in these areas and then whatever advice you know you might have to share with with some of our listeners um so the first is communication um with with your workforce and with your customer base so let's talk about that yeah so with the workforce uh, our CEO, Bill Emery, um, he did a really nice job of uh, immediately, as soon as this started, communicating broadly with the organization weekly, effectively. And actually, the first couple of weeks, it was several times a week, and now it's weekly still, 
on updates on the health of the organization, some of the uh, broader initiatives we're taking on as an organization, and also hitting on some of the hard decisions we had to make with things like layoffs and furloughs. I mean, there was, you know, he thought the integrity behind it was very, very important. And we continue to do that in, in terms of over-communicating and being very personable with our, with our employees about where we're at as a business. Uh, we envision that continuing as we develop new programs and uh, work on PPE and sign up new customers. That is something we're going to spend some time with broadly. But then taking it from, you know, Bill's communication, which is broad, to kind of the what I'll call more one-on-one -on -one communication. So, you know, we, we have we had an employee that I spoke to last week who uh, tested positive for COVID and has been out a number of weeks. Um, so I reached out to him and I had a half an hour conversation on FaceTime with him on my iPhone, just checking in with him and his family and how they're doing. And um, I guess being a little more nimble on the communication side and a little mm -hmm. more personal is what I'd say for our employees internally. Um, for our customers, you know, if we're looking at things like having more customer roundtables and interactions in smaller groups to help us understand what their needs are a little more quickly. In the past, you might do things like voice of customer surveys and things that maybe are a slower burn. And now we're thinking, hey, I think we should just get some of our strategic customers and points of contact on the phone, mm -hmm. have conversations with them and, and really understand what they're looking for and be a little more nimble to their needs um, and pivot. At the same time, communicating with customers as we get up to speed with our resourcing and our technology in terms of what's coming from us more proactively so that they already know about it and they've communicated it throughout their organization. Yeah, I, I think that's really good input. And, and I especially like the way that you um, gave the FaceTime example. And, and, you know, that's what I was thinking about. It, it obviously varies, you know, industry to industry and company to company, what the appropriate ways are going to be to interact, you know, with, um, with your customers, certainly. Uh, but, but I think the idea of, you know, how do we keep that personal contact, you know, like how do we still let people know that we're here and we care even though we're, you know, we can't be face to face and, and there's all of, you know, this, this stuff going on that's tough to deal with. Um, so, so I like that example. And I think that, um, you know, the other thing with, with doing customer roundtables, like you're mentioning, you know, you, you'll probably get a deeper level of insight and perspective than you would be able to get through, you know, a, a survey type communication. And right now I think that's necessary, you know, because this isn't, you know, a standard operating procedure. Let's check in and see how we're doing. Let's see, you know, what our customers are thinking. I mean, this is something that's, that's changed all of our lives significantly. And, um, you know, that deeper level of understanding will, will probably serve you guys really well in developing, you know, offerings for, for this new normal. So, um, yeah, it, it's really important. I think, you know, the, the more distant we are from one another and the more we rely on technology to enable that distance and, and help us still be effective, um, 
and and bridge those gaps, you know, we need to think about how to to stay connected as human beings. Um, so that's a good point. The the second area we've talked a, a bit about, um, but but let's uh, maybe expand on that. Um, and that is safety and and sanitation, and the fact that that will continue to be a paramount concern for um, quite some time, at least. So, what does this mean for you, and and how are you preparing for um, for that as you ramp back up? So, you've you've met those initial needs, um, but what comes next in this area? Well, you know the permanency of it comes next, which is we're already working. We were approved as a 3M essential service. So we're moving from getting the disposable N95 masks you've heard so much about to more permanent masks that have cartridges in them for our technicians. Mm-hmm. Just so they're, they're, I think they're called respirators. I may have the wrong terminology, but um, working towards getting more permanent equipment and standards for our technicians and also sourcing a supply chain that has consistency in it um, so that we could get the supplies on a regular basis and get ahead of it um, versus today uh, really working every angle we can to, to, to get that supply. I think the other thing there is that, you know, past the employee is a business really understanding how the customer's needs of safety are changing and what that means for our business and how we're going to, um, address that for our customers. And some of that is process and some of that is, um, you know, the customers can have very specific needs, you know, at a, at a, at a local level that says your, your tech has to wear a Tyvek uniform or wear a mask or, you know, all those kind of little dots that come after that and how we're going to address that for our customers and meet that safety need is something that's real. And we're going to have to work through it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's, it's good that, you know, you, you guys are are thinking about that. You're reacting quickly and you're, you're considering, um, you know, not just the immediate needs, but how this will factor into, to the long term. Um, the, okay. So the third area we we've also touched on a bit, which is technology. Um, so, so we talked about the fact that, you you guys have already been you know leading with innovation. You had a project underway to to replace um, your ERP system with a new system from IFS, and that is really a, a foundational um, system upon which you know you guys plan to layer in other technologies and and solutions um, to really transform operations, but. Obviously, there's there's been you know some some wrenches thrown in in the mix here, um, and you've had to to sort of adapt there. So, how do you see technological innovation serving you um, thus far in the midst of this crisis, and then even more so in the recovery? Um, and and what would you recommend our listeners be thinking of related to how they're relying on technology right now? Yeah, you know, our reason for a little bit of our, our reasoning for switching to our ERP, our back, you know, our back office, depending on what terminology people are accustomed to, was kind of what I'd say twofold. One was critical for our customers in, in being able to provide them the value um, of their data to help them run their uh, operations better. 
two really was because uh, age and antiquity of our existing ERP system was a, um, it, it prohibited us from doing the first one successfully. So th that was a little bit of the background. And I, and I think both of those still hold true uh, fairly well, even in the post-COVID environment, um, maybe even more so. I think that data aggregation may change, you know, some of the requirements, you know, talking about safety specifically as an example, customers' expectations on what data we, we gather for safety as an example um, may change. And, but our ability to do that um, and provide them and merchandise back that information to them in a way that's logical and provides them value in running their operations in a more streamlined manner um, is really critical. So, you know, moving from, from where we're at today to the IFS platform, we feel really good about our ability to create and substantiate our data in a different way. And second, it's really streamlining our processes. You know, putting in a new ERP system isn't only about ERP and taking this conversation full circle with where we started. It's about improving our processes for ourselves and for our customers. So, you know, we have done a lot to streamline a lot of our processes. We feel really good about holding to our core offering and using the technology to enable new processes that do provide value to the business and to customers on a go forward basis. Um, that type, you know, where you use technology as a lever to provide value is much better than a lever to cover up a, an overtly complex process. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know, when you embark on, on a transformation like this, you know, you, you, you don't get the outcome you're looking for if you don't take the time to, you know, standardize and streamline and, and transform those underlying processes. I mean, it's, it's, I've seen many a company have to, to go back and undo a lot of work, um, and time that they put into something like this because they, you know, didn't, um, really transform. Like you said, they just kind of layered it on top of, uh, so, so that's a, a good point. Um, Giener, what other comments do you have or what advice, um, or, uh, you know, camaraderie can you, you share with our listeners? Yeah. One thing, um, I would say actually a couple things. One is be very personal. This is a very tough time for people and, you know, at the sake of being personally vulnerable for a second, you know, there were many nights in the last six to eight weeks that I didn't sleep very much. And your employees feel the same way you do. None of these decisions are easy for um, the people on this call and for the employees on this call that might listen to this. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know it's hard on them. So uh, empathy is very important right now. And it's... Uh, it's a really important time to make sure you set that time aside to have those empathetic conversations um, with your teams in order to understand them better and get them through it. Um, <clears throat> the second thing is from a business standpoint, you know, start taking the time to plan what a reemergence strategy would look like for your business. Mm -hmm. um, and do it now. It, it might seem a little off to do it now because you're kind of in the bottom and you're wondering, well, maybe I should wait to see how things come out. I think you should forecast your way out of this for three, six, nine, 12 months 
and you know take a conservative view on what the forecast might look like if your your business is down you know 10% or 15 or 20 and and really put yourself build your plan to something that you feel you can stand behind you mm-hmm. know upside upside's always okay if you have more upside you can always react to the upside uh, but be build yourself a conservative plan to reemerge your business out of this in a manner that you know you're successful and then last you know technology has to be key to everything you're doing right now you know this whole idea of contactless everything which is going to be something we're going to have to work through mm-hmm. because our, all of our collective customers will expect will expect that um, would mean you have to be very comfortable with technology and the use of technology so um, be ready start to understand how technology influences your service industry and uh, if you don't know get yourself involved uh, you know I I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of different folks in different service industries just to understand what technologies they're looking at um, to educate myself and see if how much how many of them would be relevant to the business that we're building mm-hmm yeah, the, those are all wonderful points. Um, I, I especially like the point you made about empathy. I, I agree with you 150%. Um, and, you know, in the in the conversations that I've had over the, the last, you know, six, eight weeks, um, it, it's one of the things that stood out to me is, you know, certainly none of us, um, you know, uh, want this situation to, to be a part of our lives. But if there's, you know, a positive to what's happening, I think that by and large people are connecting more as human beings, you know? Um, and, and that has been heartening to see. I think your point is a really good one, which is as a leader, you know, you have to make sure that you don't get wrapped up in, you know, managing a crisis as a, as a leader of a business to the point that you don't take the time to show empathy to your, your employees in particular, as well as your customers. So I think that's a great point. Um, they're all, they're all great points. You know, the maintaining that parallel view and, and making sure that you're setting aside time to think about what recovery will look like. You know, we, you were at, you and I were on a, a session together last week talking about, you know, um, managing the unknowns, you know, there's, there's no way to have all of the answers, but you can't wait to start planning until you do, because then you're, you're going to be far behind. Um, so, uh, great points Gainer. And, and I really, really appreciate you being here and, and sharing, uh, with, with our, our listeners. Um, you know, I, I'd love to have you back in a bit and, and talk about, you know, what, recovery is, is looking like and, um, you know, what lessons we're learning. I think that as, um, as things continue to evolve and, and hopefully start to ramp back up, you know, there's going to be a whole new wave of, of conversations to have around, you know, how organizations are, are managing that and, and what customers are demanding as, as things, um, ramp back up and, you know, all of the things that, that we're going to be learning and, and hopefully sharing together. Great. Uh, absolutely. Anytime we're, we're, you know, I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, 
And, you know, we're very optimistic about our future. We know we're going to be a stronger organization coming out of this. Mm-hmm. And being able to provide value to our customers and our technicians, which are kind of our two critical groups. And, you know, leverage, leveraging technology and process to do so. So um, I appreciate the time and uh, having me as your guest today. Well, thank you again. For more information on how companies are managing the COVID-19 crisis, you can check out our content at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.